Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are on episode four now of this second series and if you're new here then this podcast is all about the space in between cry it out and wait it out. Although I should add that waiting it out is always a perfectly valid option when you're tackling a baby sleep challenge but rather what I want to do anyway with this podcast is explore everything to do with baby sleep that doesn't involve sleep training. So I am a holistic, uh, gentle, I suppose you could say sleep consultant although I have slightly mixed feelings about the word gentle because I think it can be a really subjective term and actually there's lots of people out there calling themselves gentle um, and that doesn't quite fit my personal uh, definition of the word. So I work holistically and that basically means that when I look at how a baby sleeps, I want to take in all a whole range of factors from lifestyle, diet, temperament, development, daily routine, rituals around sleep, timings, all of these things, um, rather than just the kind of traditional or old fashioned way of looking at sleep, which is all about rigid rules, strict routines and making sure that babies have to fall asleep independently at all times. That is not my bag, but if it's yours, that's fine. Everyone is welcome here. (laughs) It's a space where we're talking about the alternatives though. And in today's episode, I'm so thrilled to have a familiar voice on um, Return to Us, Lucy Bagwell, who you might know from Second Star to the Right Sleep on Instagram, uh, is a fellow holistic sleep consultant who I interviewed on episode two of the first series and we debunked lots of sleep myths. And it's funny because when I first interviewed Lucy for that um, episode, I knew her a little bit. We'd sort of struck up a professional friendship Um, through social media Um, but it was the first time we'd properly really chatted and since that first episode that we recorded we've become really good friends um, and have hung out in person we speak all the time about work and parenting and we have bonded over aside from our shared profession uh, we both have sons who are very high energy um high sleep needs and uh spirited shall we say so we were talking about doing another episode together and we thought it would be interesting or we hope it will be anyway to hear about the challenges that we as sleep consultants go through because uh the relationship you have obviously with your own child hugely influences how you approach their sleep um and we don't see our children as clients we are you know figuring it out for our own kids as much as anyone else's um so I won't do a huge spiel actually because Lucy and I talk a lot and it's quite a long episode so let's just go straight in but essentially what we're covering here is everything from uh, fighting naps, dropping naps, ditching dummies, transitioning from the cot to the bed, going through separation anxiety, parental preference um, and a million other things. So I hope you enjoy this episode and if you do 
please, 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 if you could like or subscribe um, or leave a review on the the podcast, wherever you're listening, that would be wonderful because it really helps Sleep Like a Baby reach even more listeners. Thanks very much. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club, the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, The Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality secondhand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com, to sign up today. Lucy, how are you today? I am tired, which I always <laughs> feel like I'm, I, sh- I shouldn't say, um, but it's been, it's been a full-on Christmas. Um, my husband's got COVID at the moment, uh, but myself and my son luckily don't, so we're still full-on and... Uh, you know, life really, really busy. How are you? Well, this is just 2022, isn't it? It's just great. Yeah, I've got Omicron. (laughs) I'm cracking on. Classic. I mean, you know, it it was a waiting game. I feel like all of us, not particularly in London, but I feel like it has been intense in London where we're all just sort of like waiting with bated breath to have it sort of thing. Yeah, I'm very... um... I get anxious talking about it because I don't, I, even though I'm a grown woman, I still believe in jinxing myself. So <laughs> I don't want to, I just. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's not talk about it because actually I don't think anyone wants to talk about it that anymore. It's literally the last thing anyone, but anyway, I'm fine. I'm equally, I'm very, I'm feeling very January right now. It's cold, it's damp, it's, but it's a new year and um, anything can happen, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> But today we, I'm excited to be talking to you because um, a couple of months back we were chatting about doing an episode together and you had the very good, uh, clever idea of saying instead of rattling through <laughs> what we are always banging on about on Instagram, your usual, you know, how to drop a nap or whatever, um, why don't we actually talk about our own challenges and our own experiences as as sleep consultants and as parents which I think is really interesting because I think I would have liked to listen to that when I was um a new parent myself so well done for coming up with a good idea Thank no you. I yeah absolutely I just but I just suddenly came to me that both me and you now we, we do have well that my son is older than yours but they are both toddlers so we're not we're not sort of in baby but yeah. that we both over the last year have covered so many different challenges that parents face I was like let's not just hypothesize why don't we just talk about literally what's happening yes and I think that we um knowing a bit I think normalizing toddler sleep is really important because I was actually talking to a client about this today who's uh was just saying she felt like all of her friends toddlers were just sleeping through and I think they're all lying (laughs) I just don't think they are I mean I would tell you right now literally no one I know and I'm not talking about my my, the families I work with because it's a bit state the obvious that they've come to me with with concerns but none of my friends literally none of my friends I mean I don't believe that it is I mean aside from the sort of scientific fact that none of us sleep through the night but let's ignore that because we're talking about signaling here 
I don't believe that any child never yeah. wakes up and signals. And if anyone tells you, like, oh, my child never wakes up, I just think it's absolute lies. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I have one of my best friends has, an, has a unicorn sleeper. Like, I can't, I... If I didn't love her and know her so well, I would think she was a liar. But even her with her amazing sleeping baby, and who's now a three-year-old, she still has these random nights from hell that have no rhyme or reason to them. Or just, yeah, like her kid has nightmares, gets thirsty, has boundary issues, has separation anxiety, just like the rest. And, um, and I think for some people I know as well, they might have had a pretty straightforward kind of sleep experience in the baby years but then when they start talking and walking everything changes and that was my experience as well that it just was like a whole new kind of nighttime parenting yeah no I mean a hundred percent but I also think it's about um seeing night wakes it doesn't have to be that you have a nightmare night, like the night, mm, it's, it's like yeah. it's either like they're sleeping through or they're up all night. Yes. It's just, from my perspective, like if someone said to me, does your child sleep through the night? I would be like, yes, that's a really simple, like the, the simple answer is yes, my child sleeps through the night. Does he wake up sometimes? Yes, yeah. probably, I mean, at, at, at least a few times a week. Yeah. But it's, I suppose for me, because because I just sort of know that's so normal and it's not problematic in the sense where he's up to hours and hours, although we have, had some situations <laughs> recently but it, it's sort of like we go up he, it, I reassure him and I yeah. leave the room I wouldn't even like tell anyone about it but not yeah. because I'm trying to get, be false about something it's just it's just not even like a thing 100%. it's just it's just he's a he's a child and sometimes he'll wake up and it yeah. might might have it might have been a nightmare he might have just woken up and he can't find his bunny or he might be too hot too cold whatever it might be but it's I I never unless there's something really like reoccurring happening that's a real problem I never give it a second thought as to why it's happened because mm. it is wasted headspace yes and it feels very different I think to to, to being a parent to a baby like I, I was um yeah I was saying to this client today actually that now if my son gets up I go in yeah like you just said quick cuddle or sip of water or whatever it is he's needing and it's no more disruptive than going for a wee at night myself or you know it's, it's, they're very short like disturbances um but then we've had quite a lot of um night terrors which can be really annoying as well um and we've also gone through phases of especially when he was learning like when his language was um, improving of like wanting to chat for like long periods in the middle of the night which I wasn't really up for either so um yeah it's it's uh it's been the, the second you know since he turned two it's been really up and down with sleep but you're right it's just very normal and a lot of it is not even worth boring anyone with the details but here we are boring the listeners of this podcast <laughs> the well, yeah, no I know but also not because I also think a lot of it and I think like obviously we say this in terms of the baby stage as well but I almost think more with the toddler stage that people think by this point their mm. child should be sleeping through the night and that's why for them their child might be sleeping as well as my son and I consider my son to be a really good sleeper overall when there aren't things going on um but that because they were told that by three they should never hear from their child at night ever. Yeah. That if they do wake up occasionally, even though it's not a big deal, it feels like a massive deal yeah. because yeah. they've been told that that is, a, that is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also, I think 
as well if you're someone who's um uh kind of uh I don't know how to phrase this kind of bought into the whole self-soothing narrative and you've um someone's told you that your child has to settle themselves to sleep I've known people kind of socially who've said things like oh like my child has now lost the skill or suddenly once they once they become verbal which again is just another hole in the whole it's a skill argument because you don't lose skills as a child (laughs) like no one forgets how to walk or talk suddenly and if they did it would be a major red flag so but you know what I mean so I think um I think that's another interesting point about about um toddler sleep a hundred percent and actually I really hope that tonight we quite normalize that because I know definitely some of the things that I'm going to be talking about is what some would coin that loss Mm. of a skill yeah Um, and actually to show how like exactly what you said first it's not a skill to be lost and secondly how uh, going from falling asleep independently to falling asleep with my assistant how that hasn't suddenly meant that he needs it every 50 minutes yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah hopefully we'll we'll get there <laughs> and so um for the listeners um just to reassure you as well if you're listening to this right now with a very young baby and you're thinking oh my god I'm going to have years of help you're not like Lucy and I are saying it's very different I think you know and every toddler situation is unique but I don't want this to terrify anyone but um so Lucy you've got a little boy who is he turned three about four months ago is that right in September whenever yeah, that was I know what month yeah. are we in ah not a clue three or four <laughs> months ago he turned three yeah yeah so yeah he turned three he turned three in September and over the last I'd say year and a half we have made so many big transitions we've lost the dummy we've moved to a toddler bed um he's dropped his uh nap which was for some people is really straightforward for us has been a really long process um and at one and we've also gone through a really really extreme peak of separation anxiety so we've really we've we've gone through a lot of things um so whatever you want to talk about I'm here for it (laughs) yeah um I mean first of all uh where do I actually where do I want to start um where do you want to start? What's what's been the biggest challenge for you? Do you think? I mean, it's not that nece- this this specific thing wasn't the biggest challenge, but it was the first thing, which was losing the dummy. Mm-hmm. And so I almost feel like we should start there because I do feel like there was there was a really big shift at that point for us, mm-hmm. and I think it it coincided with a really big developmental peak that sort of heightened this separation anxiety. But um, I'll just say really quickly what we did for anyone that cares to know in terms of removing the dummy Ruben had only ever had he's my Ruben is my son um um, had only ever had the dummy for sleep always it had never been a daytime thing and so it was a really really for us fantastic sleep association um I only decided to get rid of it to be quite frank because he kept chewing through them and it was just becoming a really expensive habit (laughs) I personally wasn't in like a mad rush to get rid of it because it was serving his purpose and not causing a problem um so if you're ever sort of worried about that I'd just say do whatever's working for you but I just decided I literally decided to get rid of the dummy um and did it two days later so it was pretty on the fly we did a sort of dummy fairy type affair where I said you're a big boy now 
we're going to send, we're going to give all of your dummies to the dummy fairy. We're going to put it in this bag. And um, when we go back, when at bedtime, there'll be a present in there instead. And you'll have given all the dummies away. And aren't you wonderful for doing and, that? And how old was he at this point? So he will have been, oh, I should really remember details. Uh, he, well, I mean, he was, he was definitely two. I just can't remember which side of two. Um, maybe two and a half. Yeah, I think that I, maybe it was in like, March, April? Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah, about two and a half. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was about two and a half. And he, t- he, he, he seemed to, I think he didn't understand, he, he may not have fully understood what I was saying until it sort of actually happened. You know, because when you're talking about something that they've never actually experienced before, it's a bit sort of random for them. But anyway, when he got his present, which was a dinosaur book, um, he was very happy about it. And we talked about the fact that he wasn't going to have a dummy in the lead up to bedtime. And then, and then obviously at bedtime, he started asking for it, asking for it, asking for it. Um, and we had basically just gone in. Actually, I, do you know what? I think my husband did the first night. Now I'm thinking about it. Well, I was there, but I think my husband did the first night. There was upset and it was literally just about giving all of the support, cuddles, whatever it was, hold, hand-holding, doesn't matter what he wants. It's just, we're not, the dummies are gone. As far as we're concerned, they have literally gone with a fairy. And I think it took about 15 minutes so, I mean, it really wasn't very long. And I'm sure, I, I'm, I, you know, I know that some children would take longer, but it took about 15 minutes and then slept fine that night. There wasn't sort of any upset throughout the night. And I think we had him asking for the dummy at bedtime for a couple of weeks and intermittently he'd be annoyed, upset or annoyed about it, but that it just sort of was fine. And we were just offering lots of support. Prior to us taking it away, we used to be able to, do the bedtime routine, give him a cuddle, give him his dummy, put him down in the cot and we left the room and he went to sleep. The dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, for anyone that hasn't listened to like the first podcast, just want to let you know that we had such bad sleep at the beginning. So I know this is amazing. <laughs> you <laughs> weren't, you weren't <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but during the process of taking the dummy away, we started lying down on the cot with our arms to the bar, holding hands and really, really being there and supporting him, which was absolutely fine. Um, he then, and I, like I say, I feel like the dummy may have heightened it, but I do not believe it was solely because of this. He went through a huge developmental leap uh, that carried a lot of separation anxiety around the same time. He literally wanted to be not just with me, but held by me mm. all of the time. Was okay with Michael, but really would prefer it was me. I remember there was a weekend I went and stayed with my mum and we were with my brothers and didn't want to be, didn't want to be near them. And these are people he sees all the time. Mm. My back was killing. My brothers were trying to carry him for me, not having any of it. So it really, really heightened separation anxiety. So we sort of carried on this support around bedtime, even when he wasn't asking for the dummy just because he was just needing that little bit more. Alongside all of this though, this wasn't affecting his night's sleep. So the fact that we were now lying with him to go to sleep, he wasn't then waking up all the time needing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, still- every, yeah. every sleep cycle wasn't like, hey, mum, sing twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> My no, brain absolutely. can't, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, you know, you still get the road wake here and there, but everyone, that's normal. But we did go through this phase of him needing that, that, that little bit more support. And that was absolutely fine. And then we just found as he, and you can see it sort of in the daytime as well, as he just started to relax that little bit more, it just became that little bit easier where I did get into the pattern myself. And to be quite frank, I really 
didn't mind sort of sitting there holding his hand for a little bit. But I just on an evening where maybe I was on my own and I had to make dinner, I'd be more inclined to leave the room and it was fine. But on a night if Michael's making dinner and I'm in there, I, I would just be happy to do that. But so it did change the settling and it didn't but it wasn't sort of this 100% of the time we just left him in the room so there was a definite shift with that but like I say for me it wasn't a problem yeah um so I didn't actively try and go back to where we were if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah but I do feel like losing the dummy and the separation anxiety was a was a big sort of section of time that was like undeniably sort of a bit more work yeah. But I, like I say, I think I think the real take home, though, from this period of time was it didn't so me giving that extra support. Michael giving that extra support didn't mean that he was up all night. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember at the time you saying you just had to work a little harder on finding the calm because the, the sucking of the dummy had brought that before. So it makes total sense, therefore, that he would need a bit more support from you guys. Yeah. During that transition. Yeah. Yeah. He just. I just didn't, yeah, because I'll be honest, like it did, it wasn't like, once I saw it happen, I was like, oh, that makes sense. But I just sort of hadn't truly considered it with my own son that it wasn't just we had to get over the upset of taking away a habitual thing like a dummy, but it was the fact that actually the dummy genuinely calmed him down. Yeah. And so by taking that away, it wasn't just once he was over not having the dummy, it was that actually we had to shake up our bedtime routine to actually bring extra elements to for, for the wind down because he's always been a kid that we've got quite similar kids that is mm. very active very yes. run around and so a lot of physical activity right up like he used to literally essentially run 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 and then we'd give him his dummy and put in his put him in his cot there was no sitting yeah. down and I'll be and yeah this is the thing there were no books mm. which I think pe- people feel a lot of pressure to have books in the bedtime routine from the yeah. minute the minute a child is born <laughs> yeah. and that's absolutely fine if it works for you of yeah. course but I didn't have books in the bedtime routine not really until we took the dummy away what a rebel do you know what I mean <laughs> we didn't need it we didn't need it and for a long time it, he was slower on being interested in books yeah yeah not um, all kids are into it and some get really excited and stimulated and they just or impatient or whatever and they're just yeah yeah. So, I mean, now the full wind up, like I will get there, but now, cause he's in a toddler bed and stuff, the whole thing is around books. So it's amazing how they can change. So I don't want you to ever, I don't want anyone to ever worry that they're not giving the brain food yeah. <laughs> at bedtime of books, because if it's not happening under one, under two, don't worry about it. There's so much time. Yeah. And should we talk a bit about that separation anxiety and also parental preference? Cause I think that's a really big thing for um for like for for older toddlers especially I mean parental preference and separation anxiety off obviously come in throughout infancy and there will be peaks um at various points but uh there's something particularly different I think about when your child can tell you no mummy don't go daddy leave no I don't want grandma it's like it's just a different thing isn't it 100% I mean I think you've had a lot of this yes we're going through it right now talk about it you talk about it. I talk too much <laughs> I love listening to you talk um uh yeah so my son is he's I think 
nine, 10 months younger than yours. So he's two and a half right now. And um, he actually, I have to say, like we haven't had, he's never been one of those super intensely um, like clingy. I hate that word or even uh, babies when he was very little he was a classic reef um I was gonna say reflux baby velcro baby partly I think due to the reflux but no he was very um he was very cuddly as a baby and he was always on us and upright but that's quite normal but once he was sort of an older baby and a toddler he was quite an independent soul um and I think one of the benefits for us with lockdown and when the timings of all of that landed in his development meant that his dad was around a lot more and I think that helped us but anyway so he's always been since about nine months onwards he's been quite happy or nine ten months he's been quite happy to go between the two of us and we would alternate bedtimes and um very lucky in that way because I know lots of my friends didn't have such a smooth journey with separation anxiety so I thought I'd got away with it basically (laughs) (laughs) like and then when he turned two it just he became very in like just had this extremely strong like preference for me around sleep and would scream at his dad to go push him out the room tantrum and be really really upset if Jack my husband would would try and do a nap or bedtime um and that it's just really hard I think for the other parent being it's hard for both it's hard for the parent being rejected because it even though you know they're a toddler (laughs) it hurts a little bit and for the parent who is being preferred at that point it's hard because then it's all on you and it's difficult you know it's there's an urge isn't there to soothe and respond and it doesn't feel nice when you walk away and that your child is screaming mommy (laughs) I need you you're like oh god so uh yeah um and I think we've talked about this before anyway of how parental preference is one of the most common problems or you know challenges I suppose I should say that that parents feel but um yeah my son he's just um so he's two and a half now it's been going on and off for six months at first we just lent into it and I figured it's a peak of separation anxiety it's not a big deal I'll just do bedtimes and nap times I, I honestly it didn't bother me and then as time went on I was like it was really nice when we were alternating <laughs> bedtime yeah. um, and uh, again I think there was a certain lockdown restrictions happening so I wasn't able to go out anywhere fun anyway so I was like okay anyway um then we kind of did nothing actually about it and then one day I'd just been talking to my son about bedtime and I'd just started saying well daddy's gonna do it tonight and he was like no no but later that night he did just let his dad put him down for so you know we kind of it's it's not been consistent for the last six months he's had weeks where he won't let his dad go near him and then weeks where he'll accept him again and then over Christmas we've been away and staying with family and there's been a lot of disruption to his normal routine and he's gone back to wanting me exclusively again and I think that makes sense as well because I am his primary attachment figure he's had a change in his day-to-day life and he's just seeking that security from me and you know when we fall asleep that's when we're all at our most 
vulnerable and we have to feel safe and secure and if I'm the person that does that it's annoying but um it's not it's not forever that's sort of how I'm looking at it and I do find that uh talking to him about it about how you know on a day where daddy's doing bedtime let so it's not sprung upon him so Mm. um that really helps um talking through the stages and telling him what's going to happen and um and also we've had Jack like be around for bedtime a lot as well so he's lots of the nights he does most of the routine and I'm just sort of lingering in the background or even in another room and then he'll go kind of as far as (laughs) our son will let him I suppose before we feel and you know there are some nights where we just think he's just going to get really really angry and distressed if we push it too far and other nights we feel like we can push on through and actually he's fine and yeah that's us no I I think fair enough I think you know and I think that's it all just sounds really normal and I think the fact is I think for some people they just might get into this situation and then they stop trying which is also totally Mm. fine if that works for you if it's like you know what it's easier if parent x does bedtime because there's no argument and so parent Z has other roles and so that is totally valid but if it is a real sort of like goal for you to for it to be as even as possible yeah um then it is just about trying I mean there's a lot more to it but that's a whole (laughs) that's a whole other episode sort of really go into it in in a sort of deep way the different things you can do but it is about continuing to try and exposure and getting used to things because I think just generally like you're saying it's interesting you said about how you talk to him Mm. about it before and so it's not sprung on him because I think sometimes when changes um are sprung on children just out of the blue uh, especially when they're older when they're babies mm-hmm. it's quite it's difficult to prepare them you can talk to them about it for fun yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> it's more for you um, than them yeah but um but I think for older children talk to them talk yeah. to them I think a lot of the time we sort of you know we don't realize that they you know they might they might not be able to verbalize quite as much potentially um but I they can understand quite a lot um and it almost feels quite sort of just respectful just to mm. tell them what's, what's going to happen rather than thinking like you know before you throw them into the pit I'm going to tell you I'm going to throw yeah. you into a pit <laughs> um yes yeah, yeah so I've, I think that's interesting something I've become really mindful of in the last few months is is talking about everything with him so you know because we do so much caregiving that is sprung upon our kids just kind of because life is busy and grab them and put this on blah blah and actually I find that just saying it I'm going to put your socks on now rather than just grabbing him and (laughs) shoving them on because it helps things move that bit smoothly and um you know tonight he did not want to stop playing with his train set and go to bed right so like classic like toddler battle he was back from nursery and super engrossed in it and like just talking to him about well what we're going to do next and the stages and asking him and involving him and can you remember what we do after this bit and then what we're going to do then and then I mean don't get me wrong he still kicked off a bit about those trains but that's okay you know he's allowed to be angry like this is the whole thing I think with toddler sleep and boundaries is like they're allowed to be annoyed that you're putting that boundary there it's not our job to stop them feeling cross about it if you're saying it's bedtime and they want to keep playing and they get they're crying that's not your responsibility to stop the crying 
you just have to be like well yeah I understand that's really shit for you right now but <laughs> you're knackered because <laughs> do you know what because I think there's a huge sort of misconception of what being a responsive or gentle or respectful parent not respectful because I think mm. everyone's respectful but um yeah. uh Sorry, I'm tired, everyone. So if I say the wrong word sometimes, <laughs> that is why. Um, and I think it's not its not just misunderstood, I think, by people who aren't actively trying to do that. But actually, I think sometimes misunderstood by people that are as well. I definitely work with many, many families who are actually so frightened of making changes or so frightened of saying no to anything mm. because that would uh, not be responsive. Like I say, especially with older children, you literally you can sort of talk to them and say, like, no, this is this is we can stop here because I do think like toddler bedtimes you can get these sort of bedtime battles like you say when mm. they want to play and they want to chat and this can happen when they're undertired overtired or to or even just the right amount of time depending on how they're feeling yeah. um and that they worry that actually holding a boundary saying no mm. to things is not being responsive that's not the case yeah. it's about it's about exactly what you say which is about it's understanding that that might be difficult for them that might be frustrating nobody really wants to be told no I don't like being told no um and therefore sort of holding space for that emotion for them and being mm. there to support them is I'm here for you I'm not just going to walk away mm. and just expect you to deal with that and understand that but at the same time this is the boundary that I'm putting in place for whatever reason. And that's staying there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that is what all of this, all of the challenges that I've had with my son since he's turned two have all really been about, I mean, okay. So the night terrors, that's not really about boundaries, but you know, a lot of the stuff with the, even the, the ditching the dummy, that is you saying like the dummy is gone and we're going to hold that and we're going to support you through that change. And, um, and recently my son went through a phase of resisting his nap and now don't get me wrong some two-year-olds are just ready early to to stop the nap and we're forcing something that's just a waste of time because they're just not tired and they've got lower sleep needs and they're good so um I just want to acknowledge that but equally I got to this point where he just wasn't napping at home at all anymore and he just wanted to play constantly and he was getting he was just melting down every afternoon. And at some days on by four o'clock, he was asking me to go to bed and for a cup of milk and was just, it was like he was hung over. It was just really sad to watch. He was miserable. <laughs> and then um, for us, night terrors are, I think, slightly hereditary, but also triggered by overtiredness. So he's more likely to have an episode if he's, you know, not napped for several days in a row. And bedtime was just becoming really fraught and it was quick and it was easy, but my God, it was intense of just screaming. And I just thought, this is not good for you. But so I really, you know, and I, I feel bad because obviously I'm a sleep consultant. So, but sometimes when it's your own child, you, you view it differently, don't you? You don't always, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't always think about him as a client. Obviously <laughs> I think about him as my son. <laughs> No, obviously. I mean, I think obviously. all of us, like, if we if we give it thought, like, I definitely have had situations where I've then sort of, like, not, not evaluated it, but I've sort of, I have looked at it through yeah. through the right lens. But I think the difference is that it's emotional. Yeah, that's it, yeah. That's you know, and, and I say and I say that to families that I work with as well, because I sometimes get families where they, they almost feel like they've mucked up by needing to speak to a professional. 
Yeah. If that makes yeah, sense. So yeah. they're like, I should be, I should be able to do this. Especially parents of more than one child. They're like, yeah. I've done this before. I should be able to do this. Yada, yada, yada. Um, but what we've always got to remember that firstly, when you're in the throes of your own sleep situation, it's really hard to step outside of it and totally. look at the p- bigger picture. Yeah. And on top of that, it's your child. The whole thing is emotional. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at it in a, through an emotional lens, which is really different to me, literally being able to, at, or you, or any sleep yeah. professional to be able to literally look at your situation and be like, these are on paper, the areas yes. you can optimize. So these are different things you can do. And I'm also here to support you through that because you are tired and you are emotional and that is valid and expected. Yes. Um, and, um, and that's why, you know, I know many, many sleep uh, professionals who speak to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, about, I mean, I get your I mean, advice. I think we have. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think we definitely have, you know, where you, you, you ask each other just because it's just about having that, that exterior eye where it's like, you might sort of, it's like, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but also um, I'm very emotionally invested in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's hard to know if what I'm, what I'm seeing is right. If that makes and, sense. And also, you know, yeah, everything you've just said, I agree with completely. Um, and the, the thing about one of the many things that is so hard about parenting is that you are also like having your own childhood mirrored and you're bringing up all of your own attachment issues and childhood stuff and boundaries are complicated for so many reasons and um, I think I realized with the nap that he definitely needed it he was napping fine at nursery with like without any issues whatsoever and he wasn't even two and a half yet so I was like right we're just I need to hold this boundary now because you're just having a tantrum and walking out the room (laughs) and going back and doing what you want and then you're getting exhausted and this just felt um unsustainable and um so we just you know I I used the Christmas holidays as an opportunity because I knew then that we were having lots of connection and there was you know I was with him every day and I felt more comfortable about introducing that firmer boundary. Um, and then, you know, I li- we literally just stayed in the room and I sat by the door and I said, we're not going to leave the room. This is calm time. I didn't talk about sleep. You know, I'm not saying you have to go to sleep because you can't force someone to go to sleep. And I did have in my mind, I was very open to the fact that he might not have been tired enough. So I just said, this is our calm time. This is our quiet time. If you feel like you want to, you can lie down. <laughs> Otherwise, like please. we can just <laughs> please just just thinking out loud <laughs> off the top of my head, lie on those cushions and close your eyes. But <laughs> do whatever you fancy. And you know, he fought me for a really long time, and it was really hard. And he kicked off, and he begged, and sobbed, and tantrumed, and kicked his legs on the floor, and it was really hard. And you know, yeah. I stayed with him and just empathized and sometimes I gave him a hug and sometimes I gave him space and you know after a good fight he just accepted (laughs) that I wasn't it wasn't playtime and he lay down on a cushion and was asleep within like five seconds and then that sort of since then yeah I was gonna say since then has he napped yeah the next couple of days were the same and then after I think maybe it was like day three or four he was just He's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) You want me to nap? (laughs) Or actually he did need it. And he was falling asleep without, you know, in like 10, 15 minutes in the car, happy, no, no dramas. And he's consistently napped like that now for 
three weeks and done it every day so yeah and it does it does just show that it was definitely not a sleep issue it was a boundary issue in the yeah. fact that he clearly didn't need the sleep because if, if he didn't need the sleep you could have you would have done this till the cows come home yeah and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't have, have napped. yeah or he was maybe just about tired enough to go for a nap would have done a nap but then your nighttime or your bedtime would have gone to shit and yeah. so the fact that he is now napping bedtime is absolutely fine everything's yeah. absolutely fine it just shows you did the right thing yeah, but let's talk about your nap drop because obviously that was an example of some of a child who did need the nap, but you've recently lost the nap. I know. I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm I know. <laughs> I'll be honest though, just for anyone that is like scared of losing the nap, there are many, many positives. Yeah. But, but particularly in the respect that there is just no, there's no um, time constraints around your yeah. day. Yeah. But I used to have such a sort of like, you know, got to we've got to finish the activity i know obviously lots of people um uh do naps and stuff in the pram so you can do it out and about my son did get to a certain age where it, it was just easier for it to be at home and i also think because obviously the last couple of years we were in and out of lockdown yeah that sort of solidified it um yeah especially as a toddler and because he also did do it he did have a very very long nap for yeah. a time it yeah. was quite substantial and actually for me um having that time at home with him asleep was actually where I wanted it to be yeah. to be quite frank and I would <laughs> regularly oh. have a nap yes. <laughs> I, mean, I that that that's that is the one pillar it's like I now I now I'm not allowed to nap <laughs> um but no I mean R- Ruben's nap drop has been an incredibly long process I'll be honest I mean I suppose though the first half of it was the decrease the decrease of the nap yeah because it was it started at and I've 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 talked about this before so there'll be some people listening who'll be like shut up Lucy we've heard you say this before um it was three and a half hours long it had nothing to do with me you can't make a child do that it's not because I'm a baby whisperer he's he was just clearly high sleep needs um but anyway, so it was an incredibly long nap. So uh, there was over a period of, so at the beginning of lockdown, one, he was at three and a half hours. And then uh, by last Christmas, he was probably down to two hours, maybe. So it sort of, I'd, I'd taken it down half an hour at a time as, I mean, maybe we're getting like little bits of bedtime battle and stuff like yeah. that. I'll be quite frank. I can't exactly remember why, but I would not, <laughs> I would not have shortened it for no reason. So there would have been a reason. Um, then we hit a phase where he started, um, res- it was a combination of he started resisting the nap. So the nap would happen, but it was suddenly a hell of a lot more work to happen. And we were having to do a really, really sort of detailed pre-nap routine to wind him down, to calm him down, because he was clearly tired enough because once he went off, we were still having to wake him up from the naps. He was tired enough. Um, but he was also, other things were just more exciting and he wasn't so tired that he couldn't function, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but we were also finding the bedtime was um, starting to get a bit later, a bit more troublesome. So there were various different reasons why the nap was sort of, we were a bit like, oh, hold on, is this, mm. is this the end of the nap? Um, and then, so it would have been, I'm going to say it was either September or October, September, maybe. Um, we went away with a couple of, friends and uh their children don't nap same age as Ruben they don't nap yeah that was what it was they don't nap and we thought well let's just give it a go we won't do the nap because he's fighting it anyway we're going to be out with them all day we're going to be on the beaches let's just roll with it and see what happens first 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 day fine 
really easy bedtime. We were like, this is amazing. What a great <laughs> bedtime. Second day, starting like this by the afternoon, like starting to uh, really tricky behavior. It's not so much that he gets so upset. Ruben has a physical tendency. So he can, if he is dysregulated, be quite physical, which is quite tricky. Mm. Um, uh, and then easy bedtime, but then woke up really, really early the next day. And I was like, oh no, what a nightmare. And then basically his behavior just deteriorated and was waking up really, really early. And then I think I did it was maybe the fourth day of this week away with friends. We came back during the day um, mm. and put him down for a nap. And then that night he slept a million times better and didn't have an early rise. It became like very, very clear that he wasn't ready to drop the nap. It was just that we were going to have to put more work into the nap, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so then, like I say, we really, really focused on the pre-nap routine, a lot of effort around it. I also became really flexible with it. If I couldn't do it in a, in a, in a bed, I would do it on the sofa. Like if that was easier, we definitely went through a phase where um, I would just put, I'd put the TV on, essentially to put the TV on, turn the lights off and he would fall asleep. Yeah. I sort of didn't care at this point just because I knew he needed it and I, ne I knew it needed to happen, but he was really didn't want it to happen essentially. Then, and it's only recently, and I literally suddenly can't remember actually how it <laughs> dropped. Um, he, oh yeah, he was still having it at nursery, hundred percent. But then it was becoming oh, that was what it was. It literally just became impossible at home. Like he just yeah. wasn't falling asleep. There was no way. There was no way, shape or form, it was happening. Yeah. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm just going to let it go. And bedtimes by this point as well, we'd cut the nap down to forty minutes, maybe. Bedtimes were becoming insane, um, getting much later. We were like, let's just scrap it. And essentially, he's been fine. He wakes up earlier now. Yeah. Now, one could say that we are putting him to bed a little bit earlier. Um, and so maybe that is why he's waking earlier. For me, if we're looking at it... <laughs> a professional eye <laughs> he has recently just dropped a fair amount of daytime sleep i do not believe that he has also dropped a couple of hours from his nighttime sleep at the same time yeah now that might be the case but he is falling asleep within a matter of seconds at bedtime so i do not believe that this is a child that does not need mm. even close to the amount of sleep overnight that he was having when we've also dropped the nap I just think because he is a high sleep needs child, he, he the, the nap drop needed to happen, but it is a, he is taking time to adjust to it. Yeah. And I think this is the thing when I speak to families one to one, and when I speak to people on Instagram as well, I bang on and on about nap transitions. How, yep, for some children, it's literally like one day they're on three, the next day they're on two, and it just happens. Yeah. But for a lot of families, between any nap transition it could happen but where there's this moment in time when neither option is right mm. where having the nap is not what they need not having the nap is not what they need and so it's about this compromised moment where understanding that we might not have the most optimal sleep in the universe of the world right now but that I, I understand why this is happening. So it is challenging. I am more tired. I am getting up early in the morning. Um, and, I, and at the same time, I've lost, I've lost my break in the middle of the day. <laughs> um, so I'm not denying that it's challenging. I'm not sort of poo-pooing yeah. that. Uh, but I do also truly believe that this is a moment in time while he adjusts 
to a whole day a whole it's a long day yeah and just knowing that it's not your responsibility as a parent to fix that it's that you have to ride it out sometimes we have to ride out a storm and I think once we I, I think it's quite freeing to say well I, there's nothing I can do he's just adapting and I think this is why the eight nine month age of babies is so annoying because mm. they're in that three to two that transition and so, for some babies it is just they can't quite go a while without the sleep but the sleep makes it worse it's just very annoying yeah and I think yeah. that's my that's what the next six months is going to look like for me and you know what can you do it's just it might not be as difficult though. Like, I think that I think the thing is we've actually the, the 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 one to zero nap transition for us has definitely definitely been a challenge. But then on in in, in other ways, in other ways not so much. You know, there's, there has been positive. Like I say, like bedtime now mm. is a is a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so really, jealous like, of that. Yeah. <laughs> like literally tonight, we went upstairs. We laid. I lay down with him, and I did two books. And by the end of the second book, he wasn't asleep. He wasn't awake. I literally closed the book, rolled over, walked out the room. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah. way, which yeah. is perfect because I was coming to record with you. Um, <laughs> but um, so that, the, you know, I, I, I think, I think the, the most, the, the, key, the key point here is if you know that you're, if you know what you're going through, which is an app transition, for example, and it is going to shit, don't worry about, because I get parents saying like, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing the nap transition wrong. Mm it's just you know I'm sure there are you know there are always ways of, of of making it easier and maybe you know and not sort of knowing how to do that sometimes but um generally it's an it's a period of adjustment generally speaking it is a moment in time where it is what they need but they're not quite used to it yet essentially mm-hmm. if that makes sense definitely and I think um a note on higher sleep pressure as well sometimes that for us has really helped with parental preference because um my son can some don't get me wrong there are days where he doesn't nap still and we're not like um that obsessed with the nap I know I sound like I am but uh over Christmas for example we were away for eight days and I think two of those days he didn't nap simply because didn't really fit in and I know he's fine without it he doesn't need to nap every single day at at the age of two um and so if he has been going through a period of separation anxiety uh at bedtime and I know that I want to I've got like a party or something that I really really want to go to my friend's birthday or what have you um what we might do is skip the nap and do an earlier bedtime and my son will be so knackered that he doesn't have the energy to sort of bother about as much and he will let his dad put him down because he's just that bit more tired and it's a quicker affair and that can help with I I recommend that to clients sometimes as well like it's it's just a practical like it's not a long-term fix but a bit higher sleep pressure sometimes can just get you through a tricky tricky situation Absolutely. I think there is a societal fear of overtiredness. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Look, I have just spoken about the fact that when my son is very overtired, he wakes up really early. So I'm not, I'm, yeah. I, will, I will never say that there is, uh, there, there, there is no negative uh, repercussions of overtiredness for some children. Some children can get really overtired and actually you don't see any change yeah. in, in their sleep. Um, but I think generally overall though, we are so frightened of it. And actually sometimes there are, it's not about overtired. It's just, 
more tired. Yeah. I think a, a lot of a lot of parents think that their child being tired is overtired. Yeah. They're like, oh, they were sud- suddenly overtired. It's like maybe potentially they they were tired. Yeah, just cranky. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's why people don't think of doing that themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And we look. I get it. Like we're all. No one. If you've had a a, a bad phase of sleep before like you and I have very sustained long periods of, of bad sleep um the fear of going back to that is like is real and um so I guess I just want to reassure anyone listening to this that toddler sleep you know yeah you don't need to be as concerned about overtiredness with a toddler because uh some like you say will be more sensitive to it but you can get away with more and that you can use it to your advantage sometimes Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you've also got to remember that my son getting overtired is because he's gone from having really lot, like he's having naps to having nothing. And I actually have found as well, it's not like a one day thing. It's not yeah. like we oh, didn't nap that day. And so yeah. it's a nightmare. It's the, for, for me, I truly believe his problem lies in the accumulative yeah. nature of not napping. Like, I feel like if we could guarantee two naps a week. Yeah. That actually that would be the perfect scenario but that's not easy to come by and it happens occasionally you know I've shared that mm. occasionally I've been in the car at, at a not ideal time to yeah. be honest and I've let him have a danger nap because actually I feel like the sort of deficit of not napping at all mm. him having 20 minutes at the car in the car even though it's 4 p.m one day is actually not necessarily a bad thing yeah um but that's exactly what you say about toddlers where it's not just one day they're suddenly like so wildly overtired that you're never you're never gonna fix it again it's more like you know it, it it's it takes longer for them to become overtired yeah. because they can be awake for that much longer than a yeah. baby yeah and I think the reason why I, I needed to get the nap back over the Christmas breaks we had nearly three weeks off in the end so I just knew that if we had three weeks of him not napping at all it would have been really not fun for anyone so uh whereas actually when he's at nursery during the week comes home at the weekends <laughs> comes like sound like he's been off to boarding school <laughs> when he comes back to us uh, but, you know a, a few a few weekends that naps it's not the end of the world for us either it's just that um <laughs> i knew that christmas was not going to be um any fun if if he didn't do it for the entire three weeks also it's nice for him to have a nap so you can sit down and have a drink oh my god on christmas day he we had to wake him up at nearly four hours which he's never done before i think he was just sorry what yeah it was heaven but um you let never him, ha- you let him do a four-hour nap yeah well, we we had to wake him up it was like three hours 45 and we were like oh we really should shouldn't we but we um we're just having loads of fun and drinking champagne <laughs> i am so jealous on christmas day my husband was my husband was working I know, I'm my husband sorry. was working and so i was when i say oh. i was solo parenting i was with i was with other family yeah. but it's not the same i was the no. only parent of this said child yeah wow four hour nap what it's a never happened again. yeah i mean he went to bed at like 10 o'clock maybe later but we knew that and, and it was um he's never done that. i mean he'll yeah yeah he, he's never done that before i think he was just so just so excited about Christmas and he'd been playing with his cousins since like the crack of dawn and I think he was just absolutely just just spent and <laughs> bless him um and yeah and we got quite drunk as well because we're not used to <laughs> we aren't used to it 
<laughs> that was a lovely time. And then day yeah. drinking will do that to you. Day yeah. drinking. It's just this is a different podcast. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is taking a turn. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how professional I sound right now talking about just getting really, really drunk whilst, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Christmas. <laughs> exactly, Christmas rules. And just, you know, I know I sound, and that must, uh, yeah, I know I sound very, very lucky, but I can't stress enough. He's never done that before and will probably, and I will never let him sleep that long again. It was a Christmas treat for all of us. But also, actually, I think, I think quite an important point from that that might be quite reassuring to people is that it's okay to go rogue yeah because I imagine and please correct me if I'm wrong I'm sort of putting words in your mouth that on a normal day you wouldn't want him actually to do four hours because you don't want him to go to bed at 10 p.m normally no it would be really annoying for me but the fact is you went do you know what it's Christmas day this is working really well right now I'm fully aware that he's going to go to bed much, much later. But you know what? Who cares? We're going to throw the routine out the window today. We're going to do something different. And that's okay to do that. It doesn't mean that that's suddenly going to be your pattern. Totally. And, you know, some families I know have their kids go to bed at like 9, 10 and do have those much longer later naps. And it works really well for them. I just... I just want to switch on. (laughs) I just need my time in the evening. No, um, you know different horses of courses but um yeah you can always go rogue and it's okay to be flexible and um yeah absolutely was there anything else we, we said we were going to cover um how do, how do you yeah what were you going to moving say? i mean i was i mean moving to a toddler bed but i yes. feel like it's quite a big topic so it's only if you've got time well let's just give us you know headlines. i give you a sound bite <laughs> um so uh, um, I, I, I am going to try and do a really, really like wound down version of this. We only decided to move him to a toddler bed because we stayed one night with my husband's family in a house they rented for the week. And we just went for one night. And uh, Ruben, by this point, he was still in the cot at home, but was too big for a travel cot. Um, He could fit in it. But the last time I put him in it, I I was about to demonstrate physically, but of course, you're all just listening. But he could stand up, hold onto the sides Mm. and basically jump it along the room. (laughs) I don't know if you can picture that. But anyway, he could do that. And then he could tip it over and get out and jump it. Like basically the whole thing, just it was dangerous. So a travel cot wasn't an option. And uh, my sister-in-law had a... Uh, blow up toddler bed sort of thing. It was like a little mattress with like um, things up the side so they don't yeah. fall out. So I was like, I'll borrow that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole story of that night. It was not fine. The <laughs> night, once he was asleep, it was fine. The bedtime was was so, so beyond the realms of fine, partly because he went nuts and I then got caught off guard and I, 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 I didn't, I also didn't cope with it well. I did what we all do sometimes, which is I lost my cool. He fed off that. The whole thing became mania. And I was like, geez. We had a week away with friends, the one I've spoken about already, booked about for about four weeks later. And I was like, he's staying in a bed there. I can't, I don't want this mm. nightmare there. Let's move him into a toddler bed now <laughs> so that he can at least get used to being in a bed and having the freedom of the bed but in his own environment before we then throw him into another because the reason it was so difficult there it was suddenly he had the freedom and he's in a random environment that he doesn't know so at least when we go into another random environment he's going to understand what sleeping in a bed is all about 
that was the thought process. So um, on top of that, his room didn't fit a single bed, so he had to move to a new room. So it was a really, really, really big transition for him. Yeah. I had already, um, because I thought it would be fun, got the bed because I knew it would be coming up in the nearest future. And we had spent some time in that room and I had spoken to him about it. This is why I would recommend to anyone um, with a big transition. Obviously, if you're moving from a cot to a bed just in the same room and you're just taking the sides off, you can't really introduce that in advance. But um, moving to their own room, spend some time in there. Just make it a really comfortable sort of like no pressure zone. Isn't this cool? And just talking about what a big boy he is and how exciting this is and just making it sound like he's won lottery. <laughs> by going, Look at this room I've given you. Um, and then um, I definitely, definitely did a nap in there first. And I think potentially I lay in there and settled him and stayed with him, um, mm. probably because <laughs> I went to sleep. Um, and then the night we moved up there, uh, I can't remember, I, I, I will be honest, I cannot remember the first night exactly. But ov overall, the overriding thing for us has been that we now need to give a lot more support at bedtime. Now, this has been sometimes because we've tried to leave and he's been like, no, mommy, I want a cuddle. And he wants a cuddle and that's fine. But actually the main thing, and I think this has predominantly been heightened by this nap transition and the fact that um, a lot of the time he's not been as tired as he has been in the past. We have had to work so heavily on calm. He has got no impulse control at all he's a very excitable human and so the fact of the matter is he can get yeah. up and as far as he's concerned why the hell wouldn't he <laughs> um so to that end we completely shifted the bedtime routine again so the final elements of it are obviously there's bits and bobs beforehand um but we then one of us goes up with him i try to have elements in it that are giving him control so that he feels like he's got some kind of autonomy that he is part of this rather than just being dictated to as to what's happening so we go through we've got i've got a stair gate uh, about a meter out from his door so he can come out of his door but he can't fall down the stairs basically because there's stairs there um go through he closes the stair gate we go into his room he closes the door i've got four books laid out on the bed and he picks two so he's choosing the books but from a very limited selection <laughs> um he then does a three two one countdown and i turn the light off and then he turns on the reading lights so he's completely in sort of control of the situation but actually i'm completely in control but he thinks he is very very clever <laughs> um and then we lie down. And so for us, actually, the, the, the real wind down into sleep is the books. So we lie down and I read those two books like I'm reading a meditation <laughs> to my son. So it'd be like, and the Gruffalo said. <laughs> um, and it's like that. And I've got certain boundaries as well um, in the sense that so... If, I, if during reading time he starts chatting away or like playing on the bed, I will just put close the book and just lie there and I just do really, really slow breathing. I do this sort of yoga breathing I've done because it makes me really calm and, um, and I find it quite pleasant anyway. And, and once he stopped, I'm happy to read. If he gets up off the bed and starts running around or doing anything nuts, I turn the light straight off. Mm. So, and then immediately he jumps back on the bed. <laughs> 
and then gets back into bed. And it's going to happen as, as many times. And it does, it, like, like I say, since we dropped the nap, this doesn't happen very much. Yeah, That's yeah. why it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, but that boundary is in place. And then once the two books are finished, I would say, would you like me to stay for a cuddle? Would you like me to go? And generally he says, stay for a cuddle. Fine. <laughs> I'm happy to do this. We lie and we have a little cuddle. At this point, if he were to get up and start playing, I would say, I'm going to leave now and I'll leave the room. He will inevitably muck about and then come to the stairs and be like, mummy, mummy. And then I'll come back. But absolutely no problem coming back. I'm absolutely there to support you to sleep, but I'm not going to watch you spin in the room. Mm. So this is not about leaving him when he's upset. He's not upset. He's just mucking mm. about. And it's about yeah. him understanding that if he wants me to lie with him and have a cuddle, I'm more than happy to. But yeah. I do not need to just sit here and watch you perform at this point in time. Yeah. So normally we wouldn't have to do that more than one time because he doesn't really want you to leave. He's just, he's just a bit nuts. Um, and then I lie with him. And then, like I say, depending on what's going on, generally I find that actually if I stay with him for five, 10 minutes, he'll be asleep. Yeah. If for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm so tired tonight. I'm on my own. So I've got to start dinner from mm. the minute when I leave. It's no one's cooking anything for me. Yada, yada, yada. And I try and leave early doors and then I have to go back potentially. It just takes longer. So for me, generally speaking, I actually stay there. And that, like I say, that's not because I necessarily have to, but I just think it's the simplest option and I haven't got a problem with it. Yeah. However, occasionally... I felt like he's really calm. I'm feeling easy breezy. And I've just said, I'm going to go and cook dinner now. Gave him a kiss and left the room. And it's not a problem either. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that because I lie with him to go to sleep, I then have to do that 100% of You're the time. You're not a prisoner. Yeah. So <laughs> don't ever watch. they call it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, just, I just don't, I, I, I so badly don't want people to worry about doing that. And also to remember from the beginning, what we were speaking about, this is a child that for two years was put down in a cot and I left the room. And now predominantly I lie with him until he is nearly or fully asleep, but not because I, it's not, it's not that I don't have to, but it's more, I know this is the simplest route. And at the end of the day, for me, to be quite frank, isn't the aim of the game for the bedtime to be finished? Yeah. And so I know that I can finish it in five minutes if I stay there. And that if I leave, it might be done. That might literally be it, because sometimes it is. It, we, it, it, I'm not tied to one route. But the fact is I might have to go back and then it might take longer. And I also find that if I've tried to leave and then I have to go back, I am annoyed mm. because I've tried to do something that hasn't worked. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then suddenly I'm in a bit of a, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bit fussed up when I could have been, I could have just lay there for five minutes. And to be quite frank, he's not, he's not going to want to cuddle me forever. forever. I know, and yeah. For me personally, I know some people this would be a problem for, and that's actually fine. It's all relative about what is unsustainable for you. Yeah, and if you've for... got other kids and all of that stuff, yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally appreciate. It. I've got the luxury of it, him being one child, but for me at this point in time, that is what is working. I can leave. I do sometimes, but a lot of the time, I always, I just think to myself, 
the most surefire route to my evening starting quickly is actually me staying here for five minutes, having a having my probably my only moment of quiet. Yeah. is actually lying with him at that point mm-hmm. and he puts and he like pushes his face up against mine <laughs> and like and he does the thing he like slides his arm right under me and like pulls me in because <laughs> it's, so, it's so cute when they're older and they they really they really hold on to you like proper little human beings and mm-hmm. it's it, it's so 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 nice and you know occasionally he'll like lean over and be like I love you and I'm <laughs> and that's when I'm gone and I'm, I'm completely gone <laughs> <laughs> that's but, it's so nice and I just can't relax I stay with my son when he falls asleep and like you, you know, it's 10, 15 minutes. I quite like it. Um, and yeah, I could get up and leave and make that our thing. And that's, and you know, like we're saying, if I had another child or other circumstances, that might just be my normal and there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. But um, I just can't relax. I'm there staring at the monitor being like, Oh, is he, is he down? Is it like, I just can walk up with, I know he's asleep. It's just more relaxing for me. It's all about me at the end of the day, Lucy. Yeah, right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing though. I haven't got a monitor. Oh, so yeah. yeah. We had to be honest, we haven't had a monitor. In, we haven't had a monitor in a long time. We got rid of it when he was in the, in his nursery in the cot, his room, his nursery where he was in a cot is literally three steps away yeah. from our bedroom so obviously when he was a baby when he yeah. was first moved in there we had a monitor I can't remember what age it was it was when he could stand up and reach it the room was really small yeah and to be quite frank we would have had to have I mean, literally be in a coma to have not heard him he <laughs> yeah. was right he was literally right there and then when he moved upstairs at first I was like oh my god he's in a room he can get up like checking all the furniture and stuff and my friend said well why don't you put a monitor in there and I was like no but he can get up I was like he can just like I, there's nowhere high enough up <laughs> I can push it without it being plugged into a wall and then he's gonna get tangled in the wire like, I'm like catastrophizing this scenario of putting a monitor in there um because I was like when he did go up to a bed I was suddenly sort of like, yeah. like what's happening up there but but no but I just think you know, there, there, defi- there definitely has been, for us, challenges moving to a toddler bed. That is my son's temperament. Yeah. I've got lots and lots of friends who that was actually their smallest challenge. Yeah. They just tra- they just took the bars off. And because for a lot of children, so this is a little tip, don't tell a child not to get out of their bed. Because <laughs> the, uh, uh, from experience, there's a lot of children who genuinely doesn't cross their minds yeah. that they can. Yeah, because they've always seen. Yeah, it's like this weird thing where children. Like, I've got, I've got, I've got friends with children who, and they've been in beds now. You know, for a while, it's been a while since they've been in a cot. But if they wake up, they even in the morning, yeah. like, they'll just shout. They'll shout from the bed. Yeah. They just don't. They don't get up. Yeah. Um, Ruben gets up, comes outside, stands at the gate, and shouts. And just on a practical note, you didn't put. Any, did you put any kind of bumpers or guards or anything up on his bed? No, it's really, really, really low. To the, it's not a, it's not a floor bed. Yeah, completely on the floor. But I mean, literally, if, if he fell out, he couldn't, he couldn't possibly hurt himself. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it is it is really low to the floor, and the furniture in there is um is all safe. But yeah, I mean, like I say, the stair gate we put up there because there are stairs, and he's very proficient with stairs because we've got quite a lot of stairs in our flat. It's quite a sort of like weird flat. Um, but in the middle of the night, I could fall down the stairs. So Ruben yeah. could. Yeah. And actually, I think it's I'm 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 it's not that I don't want him to be able to come to me. He can shout to me and I'll go to him immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think I know my son's temperament. And I think if that gate wasn't there, 
I, I don't need to say too much else. I just, I just think that it, there could be mania. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm happy with where we're at, even though technically I'm having to do that little bit more yeah. than I was a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's so in line uh, with, with normal. And I think that these moments are, are really nice. And I, you know, I, I've had a few, I've had intermittent um, nights over the last six months where he's woken up in the night and I've gone up there and because he's in, a, he's in a single bed, not a toddler bed. So it's a full size single. And I've just gone, <laughs> yeah, I've just, I, he hasn't asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got in yeah. and I've just laid down. And I've just thought, do you know what? On the off chart, like maybe he was really upset. Maybe it seemed like he'd had a bad dream, whatever it might be. And I just thought, the quickest way for me to go back to sleep is actually to lie down rather yeah. than to lie, rather than to lie here trying to keep myself awake to then go back down to bed. And I've just gone to sleep with him. And it's not as good sleep. I'm not pretending it is, but it's it's a nice thing yeah. sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And funny, um, we um one of the places we stayed over Christmas um didn't have a cot. They said they did, and then I asked for the dimensions a week before just to make sure our bedding fit. And we told them that we were coming with a two-year-old and it wasn't a cot. It was a crib for up to six months. <laughs> I was like, oh no, what, what do you want? <laughs> and it was like, literally like, this is all like the 19th of December. And I was like, well, what are we going to do? So we, um, we ended up putting him on a airbed next to our bed and he was fine in it. I mean, he did come into our bed most nights, at, at, but some nights it wasn't until four in the morning and other nights it was maybe at, one but um he napped in it fine that was where he did his four hour nap so just on the bed so I don't know so yeah and um so it's funny like they all do just I thought he would absolutely freak out he's never not you know he's only ever slept in a cot or in a bed with me you know he's never had that and he was he was all right but I'm in no hurry to move him into um, yeah don't rush bed, yeah yeah I hope I mean I hope what you just said was very reassuring for people because I feel like I made it sound really scary when I said <laughs> you did. That it went mental. no but it's not but I think this is the thing it's always about understanding your child and your child's temperaments and there are yeah. things that Ruben has found easy and that we've gone through you know easier bits and then there are things where he you know he is he's he's just he's so heightened with energy and he's so sort of like he's so can't can't control his impulses still I know children generally haven't got impulse control but he really like it feels <laughs> like it's more um and so that's why sort of the freedom of uh, um of the bed yeah but I, I I would definitely say to people I think lots of people want to rush ahead with things like uh moving to a toddler bed yeah duvet duvet and pillow things yeah. like that which are just sort of really unnecessary people I think people think it's quite cute for it to be so grown up almost yeah. maybe I think people um, ask a lot as well I think uh, I think other people sometimes put expectations on a child uh, you know when are they doing this you, and sometimes I think people are just making conversation but we can as parents can read it as oh do they think you know when are you potty training and you think oh do they think I should be doing it now when really they might just not care that much and they're just asking a question for the sake of filling some <laughs> silent <laughs> yeah no so, I, you know sometimes people say oh is he still in a cot and you might think yes oh god oh should a two-year-old not be in a oh right and then you that can set off a thought process but actually they don't care that much <laughs> yeah no I, 
hundred percent. And I think that's the thing is people rush into things. And it's like, you absolutely don't need to rush these things. Um, you know, obviously if your child is either bed sharing or on a floor bed, um, then that's a, it's a completely different story because it's just an environment that they're used to. But I think for children that have been in a cot, yeah. um, going to a toddler bed, uh, I say too soon because obviously sometimes they climb out and then once it becomes a safety issue, you have to move to a toddler yeah. bed. That's the end of story. Uh, but if, I, I would always just say, if you don't have to keep them in a cart for as long as you can, because at the end of the day, it is a transition. Some it's really straightforward. Some you have to put that little bit more work in, but either way, it's just not a race. Yeah. Thank you so much to Lucy for just being so open and sharing so much about her own family's journey and all of the challenges that she's navigated with her own son. I think sometimes uh, when we're sleep consultants or coaches, um, <laughs> there can be um, uh, sometimes a, a weird pressure to to act like we've got it all figured out. And of course, as we've demonstrated in today's episode, uh, we don't. And I think this is actually why uh, support for sleep is so important. Now, that might not look like working with someone one-to-one not everyone needs a sleep coach but having a community of people where we talk about these things is so important because sleep is an emotional challenging thing for all of us so when we're in this relationship with our children you know sometimes you just can't see the wood for the trees sometimes you just need to talk it through sometimes you are so emotionally you're always emotionally involved with what's going on for your child and you know as Lucy and I touched on all your own childhood stuff and attachment stuff is coming up and I do think that for me one of the biggest challenges around toddler sleep is this issue of boundaries and when to be firm and when to lean in and meet a need and then also how to decide how to meet that need within a authoritative but not authoritarian way and I think in the kind of world of gentle parenting it's really important we don't slip into permissiveness because we don't want our children to ever be upset and that's why I think it's why I'm always banging on about the fact that it's not our job to prevent every tear it's our responsibility it's our job to respond and there are lots of different ways to respond and only you as a parent or a caregiver in that relationship with that child can really make the decision of what feels right and sometimes what feels right changes over time as well and I hope that isn't too vague and rambly but I I, I think you know obviously like the way we would respond to a three-month-old or a nine-month-old will be different to how we would respond to a two-year-old or a three-year-old because there's going to be different boundaries and what might have felt right to you at one point might not feel right to you right now and that's okay as well and you know for example I would have rocked or cuddled my child to sleep when they were younger but actually my back couldn't take it at a certain point and I um I've actually always really liked cuddling to sleep I'm not gonna lie there's nothing wrong with that it's just that he actually then wanted his own space and started to ask me to go into the cot instead of the cuddle so that's his boundary that I also have to respect and that's a part of his own natural autonomy and independence that's just growing uh so it's about 
that two-way relationship between the two of you and figuring out each other's boundaries and what what those emotional needs are as well as the physical needs around sleep but yeah it was really lovely talking to Lucy I have to say at so many points I forgot that we were recording a public conversation though so I am I'm slightly worried I've said lots of uh, unprofessional things but uh, especially talking about just getting pissed on Christmas day and uh, just to be clear though um in case social services are listening I wasn't legless okay um but it was Christmas. Uh, anyway, um, we all had a really nice time and that's uh, what counts. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I would love to hear um, more from you listeners about your own ch- children's sleep challenges, especially um, age two and above, because I just think it is so important that we normalise this stuff I met up with my um, NCT group, which is uh, kind of an antenatal charity here in the UK. Um, so a group of eight other families, we all had babies at the same time. I met up with them at uh, the weekend, uh, just gone. And, you know, absolutely none of us had perfectly sleeping children. And we've all had really different strategies and, and ways of approaching sleep. The majority have gone down the sleep training route, um, uh, although not all of us. And, you know, however you have tackled sleep by the age of two, the emotional stuff, the communication stuff, the boundary stuff, it's real and it comes into things. And whether you're having a new baby at this point in your life or you're um, going down a different direction with work or things are going on, maybe you're moving whatever all of these changes impact our little ones so much so it's not just that the age of two and three are huge developmental kind of milestones um, and key periods for our children it's often a time where within the family there's some big changes happening and that's something you know that Lucy and I haven't experienced ourselves and so we didn't talk about but it's very normal for there to be other big changes happening and whenever we have change we have changes to sleep you know it the emotional needs so often play out around bedtime so I think perhaps what we didn't go into in a huge amount of depth in today's episode is that when we're talking about boundaries around sleep or anything with our toddlers I think it's also essential to remember that there are emotional needs as well that also need to be addressed so you know when my son's been going through parental preference or separation anxiety or um you know not wanting to separate from me at bedtime and yet being really exhausted you know I've I've also had to think about how to meet those emotional needs at other points during the day and I think that can be really key for anyone listening to this is is not just thinking about the bedtime or the nap time but thinking about that whole 24-hour period and you know we don't all of us get 24 at 24 7 with our children or even if we do you know that that might not be the best way to meet those needs so love bombing or you know where where you met you have very intense focus periods of one-to-one time um where you're just the two of you no distractions that can be in itself an amazing strategy to just sort of fill up that emotional tank before we separate for sleep so yeah, so let me know though. Let me know how your two-year-old is sleeping, your three-year-old, what's been going on for you? How did the uh, 
transition to a toddler bed out of a cot go for you or perhaps you never went to the cot and you went straight to the floor bed and so you skipped that whole drama I think that's uh, I'm really jealous of people like that you know there's a lot of pressure to get your baby in a cot and then even if you do (laughs) there's then all this pressure to get them out again um so yeah so please um all the reviews and ratings and subscriptions I know I bang on about it but they mean so much and they help so much and I absolutely love reading everyone's comments on my Instagram page as well when we talk about the podcast so come along to there I'm at little nest sleep uh, and there's a link in the show notes as well and I've also included details of Lucy's website where you can read more about working with her um, and, and the work that she does. <laughs>